Welcome to Vacation Station, hosted by Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazines.com. Hey, everybody, welcome to Big Blend Radio. Uh, it's our vacation station travel show with Glenn Burroughs. He talks uh, with us every fourth Saturday, and that means we're very lucky. Uh, Glenn is a family history expert. He's a tour guide and owner of Norfolk Tours in England. He's been on our show for, I don't know, since since I was a teenager, Glenn, right? Ah. <laughs> yeah, about well, that. Yeah, it's been, already he's been on our show for, I would say, what, 15 years? I can't keep up. Uh, it's heading that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that means I am a teenager now still, right? That's that's how it is. But um, Glenn, uh, yeah. Glenn has this amazing, amazing company, like I was saying, Norfolk Tours. But you're going to England. What's really unique is going with someone who can show you the sites that you want to see. Yeah. Uh, the experiences, like if you're, you know, looking back at your family's history, like a lot of us do, it's one of our top hobbies in the country is to trace our genealogy, our ancestry. And for many of us, it does lead back to England. He will help you with that and also take you to the places of your ancestors. So go to norfolk-tours.co.uk. See, that's a good plug, Glenn. Can I be hired as a promoter? Yeah, I think I, I was could good. probably pay you 50p a week for that. Oh, all right. Well, hey, gee, <laughs> can I buy a Mr. Whippy with that? Or that's uh, 99 no. cents. Not anymore. Not I have anymore. to wait two weeks. Oh, boy. You're going to oh, have boy. to save up at least two months. <laughs> uh, well, today, today's show, we're talking, you know, like I was saying, Glenn comes on every uh, fourth Saturday, and we're talking about Norfolk Day. Norfolk Day happens on July 27th. So that's an English holiday celebrating Norfolk. But we should celebrate it here in the US too, because we have Norfolk, we have Norfolk Beach. Do you have a Norfolk Beach, Glenn? We have so many beaches in Norfolk, you, you know, there's just so many to choose from. We can have a sandy beach. We can have a shingle beach. We can have a pebble beach. Uh, we can have a very rocky beach. Uh, we can have a muddy beach. We can have oh. um, just sort of um, a very, I don't know, waterlogged beach. You know, so we've oh. got lots of beaches, Yeah, everything for everybody. And some of so, them are seals. You have seals. Oh, yeah, we have seals. Yeah, we love have, it. We have um, loads of wildlife. So if you're into bird watching or birding, as you call it in America, mm -hmm. uh, if you're into birding, then Norfolk is definitely one of the places to go because we're on the main migratory routes from Europe to the north. So, yeah, we've oh, got cool. loads of wildlife. Even awesome. kingfishers. Oh, kingfishers. kingfishers. Not on I the beach. Not on the beach. No, no. but no, uh, they're countryside water. Yeah, mm -hmm. they're freshwater. Yeah. So um, for Norfolk Day, you put together a list. I know we, we touched on this a few years ago, but it's just time to refresh a list of like the Norfolk 10. And of course, you had to go into food and um, you talked about different places. So like 10 must experiences if you go to, to Norfolk. Um, but what there is a nickname for you, I believe, for you Nor Norfolkians. What yeah, is the nickname? We're called Norfolk Dumplings because Dumplings. Norfolk Norfolk is sort of well known for making a, a very basic dumpling, which is oh. just made with water, salt and flour. And that's it. There's no fat wow. in a Norfolk dumpling. And 
and one of one of my favorite stories i had a lady over from australia once and she was just talking to me about different things as you do when we're driving around in the car and i i happened to mention to her that i'm a norfolk dumpling because you know that's that's what mm -hmm. we are and um she said well why is that and i said you know norfolk dumplings are made just with flour water and salt and she looked mm -hmm. at me and said my granny used to make them in australia and it turned wow. out that her grandmother who had never actually lived in norfolk but her mother had come from norfolk to london then this lady's grandmother then emigrated to australia but she still made norfolk dumplings in australia so she had taken the recipe of the norfolk cool. dumpling to australia so that that was amazing that's wow, cool. that's a small world, wow. man. And that's yeah. that's something you experience with the family history is those small worlds that, you exactly. know, we're, we're all connected in the end. Yeah, I mean, this lady just didn't know why her granny made these these funny dumplings. But obviously, when we happened to have the conversation, she then realized that was because her granny's granny was from Norfolk. Yeah. And she yeah, had inherited cool. the recipe. Wow. Speaking of food, Norfolk dumplings, um, <laughs> we, I've got to bring up the Mr. Whippy. So every time I talk about Mr. Whippies, people give me that one, you know, raised eyebrow, like, I beg your pardon. What what do you do on your off time, Lisa? That's not what I thought you did. Um, but uh, Mr. Whippy, because you put on your top 10, number four only, is yes. ice cream. Ice cream is yes. a big deal, but but it's real ice cream because we have some ice cream places that are famous here that are, I'm not going to knock them, but it's the same sentiment you have about going to a hotel that serves you um, factory sausage, you know, yes. and not yeah. the farm sausage, like, exactly. you know, from local ice cream. Yeah. We have a friend who was at an ice cream store. Someone put their ice cream in the trash, like, you know what I mean? Outside just didn't like it or something. And it was a blazing hot day, like it is here in America right now. And the ice cream didn't melt. So that's weird to me. Like, what Very. are we putting in our ice cream here? Is it fake? Like, mm -hmm. what, what is in our food, right? Um, so I you don't think that list. Mr. Whippy has that problem. Because as I recall, if you don't lick up your Mr. Whippy with the flake uh. chocolate and down the center oh, of your yes. ice cream cone, You've got a messy hand, but we like yes. those. Gonna, it, yeah, it melts down your hand. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if, if I could share my pictures of my granddaughter the other mm. week, we were, we were at the seaside and she had a Mr. Whitby and her face was completely covered and her arms was completely mm. covered <laughs> because it just melts as quickly mm. as you can possibly mm -hmm. try and lick around it to get it. But, you know, the, the, the reason I put ice cream on, on the list is because we have got quite a lot of dairy farmers in the countryside who have had to diversify because of the, the very bad um, situation with supermarkets paying farmers next to nothing for milk. So what they've oh. done is they've diversified and they're selling milk at the farm. And they're also making yogurts and ice creams and things wow. to go direct to the consumer. And some of these, you know, ice creams are literally made of everything that they can get locally. So you get local 
local flavors of ice cream, you know, like your local hedgerow fruits and your different things like that. And, and that is what it's all about, you know, trying to get a meal without any food miles on it. You know, oh, if you can so have a, I, I, I had a, a group of American travel agents over once and, and we did, we did a meal for them, especially in the hotel that we were staying at. It was a very small farmhouse hotel um, run by the owners. And we did a we did a meal for them, that, you know, like a four-course meal. So there was a starter, main course, dessert, cheese and biscuits, you know, and everything had less than four miles, I think, on it. I think mm, the thing that's... that had come the furthest was the ice cream because it came wow. from like four miles up the road. Everything else had come off the farm or from the local fields. And that's awesome. That is exactly that's so cool. You yeah, you want proper you want... food with no yeah. food. It's going to return to what it was like before we went all sophisticated and put all these preservatives and all that yep. stuff that mm -hmm. makes everybody get cancer, by the way, um, yeah. into our food for the sake of the people who are heads of the grocery stores. Well, exactly. You know, why, well, yeah. why do we want to have strawberries at Christmas time in England? You know, we never used to have strawberries at Christmas time. No. You know, so why do we want strawberries now? We have well, strawberries this, in July when it's but, when Wimbledon is on. We have strawberries. It, oh, well, we thing. have them in California in February. But that's the thing about travel. When you travel somewhere, like exactly. if I go to Norfolk, I want like now some people will you know can and preserve their strawberries, so you could have yes. strawberry shortbread and things like that, yeah, 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 which is yeah. great. And strawberry jam. Oh, oh, I course. love a good strawberry jam. But but that's the point of travel. You want to experience like authenticity and you know you want a place with integrity there's that word again exactly. um so Food when you go to, yeah when you get the ice cream and it's from the farmer to me that means more than going to a chain store and i'm not saying all chain stores are bad or anything it just when i travel like i want something that is unique to norfolk i want the mom and pop shop i want the exactly. ice cream from the farmer i want to know the money that i work to earn it's yep. going to someone of the same value it's, system. Yeah. Like I want yeah. my money. The person who did really did to support. The work. Yeah, I want to support yeah. the person. And you know, we always talk this way when I know we, it's kind of a little passionate thing between us all here. But yeah. it is true. Mm -hmm. And travelers, if you if you, you know, honestly, go to if go to an airport store, go to a typical mall. That, there's all of those things we all know about. But travel yeah, is about trying something new. And connecting and finding differences yeah. and commonalities. Now, Thank ice you. cream to me is something that majority of us like. Some are allergic, et cetera. Mm. But a lot of us love a good ice cream cone. And Mr. Mm -hmm. Whippy is fun too. But when you get it from a farm, it, it's like we had that in Central California in Tulare that mm -hmm. one time. Um, and uh, Rosa Brothers. This is a dairy farm. And they did exactly what you're talking oh, about. so good. Yep. And that's where a lot of farmers now are opening up where you can stay on a farm. To help exactly. um, support yep. their farm because farming is not cheap and it's not easy because you're working with Mother Nature. It's so, hard work. Yeah. So there's ice cream, but you have a lot of seafood because you're on the beach. 
Well, exactly. I mean, we're surrounded by by water. Norfolk, I'd, I'd like to think that Norfolk is an island because you do have to cross water to come into Norfolk. Um, but sadly, the definition of an island is more than just a river around you. Oh. Um, but yeah, oh. I mean, we are we are surrounded by water, and a lot of the the border of Norfolk is actually the sea. So we have lots of beautiful seafood like uh, chroma crabs, which are very, very famous because they are fantastic. These lovely mm -hmm. red crabs. Uh, mm -hmm. We have lots of beautiful mussels up near Brancaster. We've got some fantastic mussels um, and samphire, which is a, a seaweed. And that is absolutely gorgeous. It's, it's called the, the poor man's asparagus because it's a very fine flavor. And, you know, we we love samphire uh, in our yeah. family. We, I, I love samphire with a bit of salt and vinegar in a piece of brown bread. That's the best way yeah. to eat samphire. But you can eat it warm with with butter like you have with um, with asparagus, you know. So as you as you as you're surrounded by the sea and you've got all this fresh seafood, you're getting what is local. You know, you're getting a taste of what is actually growing and being caught where you are. Mm, so, so it's it's really fresh and there's such a big absolutely. difference between fresh and I've been on a truck for 3,000 miles, refrigerated truck, and then yep. I've been taken out of the refrigerated truck in the heat, put on a dolly with a lot of other boxes, yeah, all into a supermarket. Oh, now we went from cold to heat, cold. Yeah. Think about it. You know, 1,500 to 2,000 miles, your food is transferred here to there to there. And by the time you get it, and they call it fresh, it's at yeah. least three days old. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was listening to a program the other day, and they was they were showing you um, egg farmers. And although they were free-range eggs, so the chickens, you know, were able yeah. to walk around. They had a they had a hut that they lived in, but they were free range. And they were saying that they, you know, they get the eggs and they pack them. And then within three days, they're in the supermarket. Well, mm -hmm. they're already three days old before they even get exactly. on the Exactly. You know, mm -hmm. whereas if you buy them from from the, the farm gate, you've got yeah. brand new eggs, you know, literally mm. just been laid. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you you know you've still got the the, the chicken dirt and the feathers attached to them. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. You, you don't eat the shells, so what's the problem? Well, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, I we used to have chickens and the best layer was first of all, I thought she she had a, a comb and she crowed and then she laid eggs. So I was like, oh, okay, I don't know what you are, but <laughs> she laid a ton of eggs and her eggs were the best. But yeah. her shell was really thick compared to the other chickens. Yeah. And so one day, like, first she was Patrick, then she was Penny, then she was Penny. Depending on when she crawled, I was like, okay, I'm confused, but her eggs are good. You could yeah. go get them with a still warm. After she laid them, put them on the counter and eat them that day. Yeah. Nothing like it. Yeah, exactly. Nothing like it. You, you know, this, this is the thing is about having that 
that connection. And one of the things that you, you listed um, historic sites in your article, Glenn, and everyone, uh, Glenn's got this uh, article up on blendradioandtv.com and uh, it is all linked from the show notes. So you'll see it there. Um, no matter if you're listening on Spotify or YouTube or Google or Apple, uh, wherever it's in there. And so thanks for listening too. Uh, but you have a lot of these historic sites like Castle Acre, uh, Gresson Hall, Rural Life Museum. So I yeah. want to kind of go to Gresson Hall first because yes. I kind of feel mm-hmm. like if you're eating local food, right, that, yeah. you know, things that coming from the ocean or, yeah. uh, you know, that kind of thing and from the farm, that if you go to a place like Gresson Hall, you're going to understand kind of the roots of the food that you're eating locally. Yeah. I mean, they actually use horses on the farm and, you know, you can actually see the, the horses pulling the plows and the, and the harrows and doing, doing the haymaking and things like that. They have pigs. So you can see the, see the pigs, they have the cattle, they have the chickens, they have the turkeys, you know, they have all the animals and the goats and the, you know, so it's all about, especially for children who grow up in a town and they don't realize Mm -hmm. that, you know, milk come from a cow or udder, you know, to actually be Mm -hmm. able to to do that. They've actually got um, some pretend cows that they can milk, you know, Mm -hmm. and they see the cows so they can understand about that. You know, they've got the horses, they've got the pigs so they can see that pigs live in a pigsty and then, you know, they turn into sausages and bacon and, you know, and goats give milk as well. And, you know, so it's all about learning about where your food comes from mm-hmm. and how difficult it is. Because when you're, when you're seeing the horses working on the farm, you know, you can see that to plow the field, you've got to mm-hmm. use this horse with this great big machine, this plow, you know, and a man has to walk behind it. So, you know, 150, well, not even 150. My, my dad started working with horses, you know, so they were still using horses in Norfolk in the 1950s. You know, mm-hmm. so it's good for children to actually see what it's all about and to realize that, you know, carrots grow in a field. You know, you have to dig potatoes up. They don't yeah. come, they don't come in a plastic bag. You have to dig them mm-hmm. out you know cauliflowers are surrounded by lots of green leaves they're not all you can't see the cauliflower in in the cauliflower when it's in the field because it's all surrounded by green leaves you know so it's them sort of things that children especially from towns and cities need to see this because they don't they don't see it like i grew up with it they need to understand that the reason potatoes need to be peeled is because they come out of the ground you know yeah yeah they're it's, covered it's, in soil it's really about teaching appreciation or what yeah. goes into everything that is grown or that is made yeah, exactly. otherwise if you think you can just walk into a supermarket buy something then there is hardly any value if you don't understand where it came from how hard it was for somebody somewhere to make it Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no appreciation. If there's no appreciation, then people kind of go a little bit. Um, yeah, then I you say? don't understand the value. Yeah, you you don't understand you, the you, value for your your pound. 
you know, I remember when we lived in England and, and this, even as a child, I mean, even in, in South Africa and Kenya, it was the same thing. When you got green beans, whether you harvested them from your garden yourself or got them from the supermarket or the potatoes, you know, you would sit on the doorstep or on the, mm. at the kitchen table. And so it's kind of yeah. a gathering time where you peel the potatoes, you snap the peas. You know what I mean? Where you did the green beans. Snap them, exactly. And, and as a kid, that, now, that is another, now we're attached to the phone instead. That That is another thing that they do at, at Gresson Hall is they do involve the children in doing things. You know, nice. they, there's a there's a pump just outside the back door of a cottage on the museum, you know, an old-fashioned – I'm using my arm, so I'm showing you what you do, you know. Um, mm. it's, an, it's an old-fashioned pump that they used to have in the backyard that you pumped water up from the well, and mm. they get the children to pump the water. So they realised that years ago they didn't have a tap, and they didn't have mm. they didn't have water that you just got because the tap turned on. You had mm -hmm. to pump it out of the ground, you know. And even for my my little granddaughter, who's who's four and a half, you know, for her to hang on the pump and realize how hard how much hard work it is to pump water, to fill the bucket up, to then to be able to go and do something with the, that 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 is the way that children learn how things mm -hmm. actually are. You know, yeah. it's not easy just to turn the tap on. Somebody has to create all of this. Somebody had to invent the fact mm -hmm. that water comes out of a tap through gravity feed, you know. So the pump was a way that they used to do it years ago that brought the water up from under the ground. You know, without that, a lot of children don't actually realise that water comes from under the ground. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, no, no, or that's, from the river or whatever, you know. Exactly. It's like one, learning. one 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 place Lisa and I lived in where we had there was a water, I don't know, I guess you call it a tank. And we had to go get the water out of the tank. And um we had to climb up the ladder and I had to hold Lisa by her legs and give her a bucket. And she could go get the bucket of water and then I pull her up. That yeah. was in South Africa. We lived on an orange farm. They yeah. so they did oranges. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, oh cabbage. It was cramming. We lived in this farmhouse. Yeah. Um, and oh. we we were renting property from them and there was it um it was really cool. It, they and that's where it we did a lot fun. of horses. We they had horses and that's where I got thrown by that little Shetland pony. And yeah, now you Shetland you know pony. what I have names for Shetland ponies. You know, this. yeah, she gets mad every time um, she sees every one. time I see a Shetland pony. I have a different name. Well, they're um, little Spitfires, so but um, yeah, they had oranges, cabbage, and strawberries mm -hmm. were the main crops on this farm. It was beautiful, yeah. but it was like you. Oh, and sugarcane. We used to go get sugarcane, and yeah. um, you'd harvest, and you would like all the kids were. We all, everybody mm -hmm. on that was. One of the best experiences. And what you're that talking about, awesome. Glenn, about kids having to do things. You know, yeah. if you don't, when you're educating kids, if you're expecting them to sit in their chair for hours, it's not going to happen. Not even minutes, right? They're going to wiggle around and they're not going to take things in unless they have the experience. And a exactly. lot of adults, too. And, you know, you exactly. want to have hands on. I mean, I'm like that. You know, you you, you mm -hmm. want to get involved. But I love that with the history. You know, you go from Gresson Hall to places like Sandringham and Blick, 
Blickling Hall, like all these, you go, you know, here's a rural farm and then, you know, we're going to go there and Castle Acre. Oh, oh, let's go back to Castle Acre. That, I want to go there. This it's is, beautiful. I want to go there. Yeah, yeah, Castle Acre is 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 one of the best examples of a medieval village that you're ever going to find because it's got a priory. Um, in, if only you could see my backdrop today is actually Castle Acre Priory. So it's a Norman a Norman priory that was um, got rid of by Henry VIII. And but there's mm. also a Norman castle in the same village. And there's a Norman Bailey Gate, so you can walk through the, the outer Bailey Gate into the, the castle grounds. And all the earthworks are all still there. And, you know, then you've also got a, a really old 17th century village pub sitting on the village green. You know, you've, mm. you've got a medieval church that you can visit. You've got lots of medieval houses. You know, it's absolutely perfect. And... You know, it's them sort of things that you can then understand the scale of the buildings, the scale of the work that went into building them and, you know, just what life used to be like. And again, for children, they they understand more if they can actually be there mm. or yeah. if they can actually feel it or or, or experience it. I mean, mm -hmm. talking about the museum, I remember that when my daughter was at primary school, I used to go into the primary school because I was the chair of governors at the time. And I used to go in and take in lots of historic items to talk to the children about. So we would show them things, you know, so rather than oh. just talk about an old wind up gramophone, for instance, I would take a wind up gramophone Whoa. with the old records and play that for the children. It's a jolly and, good wind-up. Sorry. Oh, great, yeah. <laughs> and I remember that I met one of the boys who used to go to school with my daughter when they were about seven. I met him at university because he went to the same university as my daughter did. And one of the first things he said to me was, oh, Mr. Burroughs, I remember when you came into the school and showed us that wind-up gramophone. That was amazing. Oh. And mm. this was this was like cool. 10, 15 years later, you know. Mm -hmm. So children remember stuff when they mm -hmm. experience it. And that yes, is and what all about. And I wanna learning. I wanna I want to ask you this because I know and I know everyone's gonna go, well, you should know this by now, but I have to. You keep referring <laughs> to the Norman prior, the Norman this. Yeah. I mean, then there's Norman. Ooh, what Nancy? No, no, no. No, what's what's with it. the norm? What what's who was who is Norman? The Normans came from France. And and if ever you've heard about 1066 and the Battle of Hastings, mm -hmm. that is yes. when the Normans came over and conquered England. That's the last time that England was ever invaded by the Normans in 1066. And they came over and took over the country, basically. And they're the ones who who did all this amazing building of castles and priories and abbeys, and well, it's just amazing. The Norman, so, oh, just so that's why the picture. So okay, so I have to go back on this because so the norm like Norman to me does not sound French. Okay, so that's why I probably never quite got it. But you never heard so, of Normandy? 
I have heard of Nor- oh, well. yeah, Normandy, Normans. I get it. But I just, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen, <laughs> I'm blonde. Okay. Okay. I can't help it. But anyway, so no, no. That, I'm just kidding. No, but hey, I know there's other people like me out there in the world um, who just, you know, you, you've got to put things together. Of course. So we just did a podcast mm-hmm. with uh, Mike Guardia on, and you've been on shows with him, a uh, military historian on the Revolutionary yes. War and what led to it in this country. Yeah. And it was interesting because you'd just done, you know, the famous five of the Declaration of Independence, their history. Yes. And so we were looking at, you know, because I didn't grow up here. So I'm really like, I'm, at the beginning of the podcast, I'm like, Mike, I haven't a clue of my own country stuff. I know I did, but like, what really went down? And he said it was all about the French, it was like the French English wars and then the English one eventually. And when the English won, then they started wanting to tax us Americans who helped mm-hmm. England, even though we moved away. So yeah. are we talking about the same war or am I messing up no, my no, wars? No, no, no. You're, you're, you're thinking about the, the 17th 18th, 18th okay. century. So okay. you're talking about the 1700s. And oh, you're talking medieval times, duh. Yeah. Right. And I'm talking about 1066. Okay, so, but this is okay. I'm allowed to ask stupid questions. No, it's not. There's no such thing as a stupid question. See? See? No such thing as a stupid question because, you know, we don't know. Every, I don't know everything, you know. So it's hard to put the timeline of the world. <laughs> you can't put the time, like the whole timeline of the world. I'm not a history major, like, no. you know, Mike, and oh, I gosh. don't do what you Here do. We go again. But it, but the reality is we learned Nancy and I learned so much like doing these mm-hmm. podcasts and then of traveling. Course. Yes. You it's like we're in constant college and I love it. But yes. then you you it's like you get so like if you go down a rabbit hole, you're in a hole. You're you're not seeing the grand scheme always yes. when you go down that little tunnel. And then I'm like, oh wait a minute, does this connect with this? And then I then that's another rabbit hole, right? But but that's my thing is always trying to put things into context of what happened, where and when. It's well, there, hard there, be, to do it around is. the I mean, world. There, there was so much going on in mm-hmm. the in the 18th and the early 19th century. There was so much going on with yeah. revolutions. You know, you, you had the French Revolution. You had the American Revolution, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then then sort of 1800 to sort of like 1815 up to the Battle of Waterloo, you know. Mm-hmm. Then, well, that's right. th- you know, you, you had all, all of this stuff going on in the world. And there, there's never really been a time when people haven't been fighting each other for some reason or I, another, or for yeah. no reason at all, you know. Yeah. And you keep, no, thinking, oh, you keep thinking, oh, that's going to be the end of it. But it never is. I mean, they said the First mm-hmm. World War was going to be the end of the all. The end of all. Yeah. And, yeah. and it never <laughs> did, you know. And look at today. Now we're all sitting there looking at Russia and Ukraine and what's going on with all of that going, uh-oh. Well, because, and now you, know, you have to remember that we are still animals and we're I'm territorial. You. You've we're also territorial. got to remember You've got to remember, like we were talking about before we came on air, is that there are always idiots who wanted to who want to take over the world. And I, and I know they're never stopped. There's yeah. always people who want to be bigger and better than everybody else. Yeah, and but it, they don't want to put the work in and do it in a right no, way, an no. honorable way that says they deserve it. They want to take pillage and plunder. From everyone yeah. else, and they're it's lazy. Happening, it's been happening yeah. since the 
the first man stood on the world. Yep. See what happens when I ask one thing? Seeing is Norman. <laughs> but it's right? true. So you have yeah. to ask you have to ask yourself when you when you look in the mirror, who are you? Are you one of the lazy ones? Are, are you Norman? Well, or, you know, or, or are you willing to work but and build yeah. build character? Yeah. But I go back to Norman now, right? Because okay. Norman is like a contemporary name. So it sounds like a contemporary name, right? Yes. And, I mean, um, Norman, Norman is still is well, not. I mean, you, you will not see a child today called Norman. But Norman was, I mean, one of the best comedians Norm. in England was Norman Wisdom. I mean, he was amazing. Uh -huh. But, you know, that is a very, I don't know, 1910, 1920 mm -hmm. name. Mm -hmm. you know, you well, here, now we had, we had the TV show Cheers and you had Norm and everybody walked Norm. with Norm. Yeah, but, they won't but, say Norman. Norman. Yeah, Norman is yeah. kind of almost like you're a geek. Like you're, yeah. it's, a ner it's a nerd name. And I like it's nerds and geeks. But it is. It's kind of like, yeah. you know. But it's so interesting to have the name Norman during medieval times and I remember as a kid in England learning about medieval, and so you'd think I'd remember all that, but I don't, everything. But I do remember my big thing about the medi medieval times was how the there was no sanitation. As a kid, that got me, was sanitation. Was always, and always toilets. I know. Mm -hmm. we all, listen, always. you talk about, isn't it, uh, Louis and his, his, you know, golden throne? Um, and he had a, you know, someone do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, not being funny, but actually to encourage children to learn about history, there's <laughs> probably no better way. I mean, yeah. when you go and have a look at the Romans, you, you go to the Romans and you see their toilets, and then you go to the medieval monasteries and you see their toilets. And mm. I mean, Karlsvager uh, has got a fantastic um, building that was the, the toilet block. And, you know, it's, it is there. <laughs> It is okay. There. Tell everybody the toilet with the dude. Was it Louis that had the the toilet guy with the toilet stick? Who has the um, stick? The, the stick was the Romans. They had like okay. a stick, uh, a stick with a, like a sponge on the end of it that they washed in a little little stream of water yeah. that went out in front of the in front of the toilets, and you used to use the stick with the sponge. Yeah, this, see, this is this we is still what I remember habit, every yeah. time we talk to Glenn. Tell me about the stick in the toilets. No, I'm just oh, kidding. I'm just kidding. No, no but, but I mean, we have toilet brushes today. It's the same thing. Stick. No, 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 no. You don't use a toilet brush for the same purpose as you use. No, stick you don't. That could hurt. <laughs> no, there's a difference between a brush and a sponge. Okay. Yes. The big difference. But the but the the one king had a dude that would do it for him, right? Oh he yes, yes the yeah, butt, of course, yeah. The, the, the medieval kings used to have a, a a guard robe, which is you know the 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 man used to look after the toilet for him. Oh my gosh! See, we always go oh down. Oh my the gosh! Anyway, all right, let's go oh. from the toilet in the medieval. <laughs> but it was always the sanitation. There was also like, you know, they didn't Ooh, at least they tried. Understand yes. sanitation needs yeah. at the beginning of, of, of yeah. civilization, right? Yeah. So we're going to go from toilets to broads. Um, yes. Oh, right. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Norfolk broads. And they really were this um, burlesque show that happened every no, Saturday. I'm, afraid I'm not. kidding. Hand pan dancers. The vaudeville show. But no, no. Tell everybody about the Norfolk broads because this is, Glenn, this is something when, when we come over. This is what I want to do personally. Yeah, this is on my down list. the broads. 
the Norfolk Broads really are a fantastic area. And, and we're going back to medieval again, because in medieval times, especially in, in places like Norfolk, where we didn't have coal mines and, you know, things like that. And we didn't have, although we had a lot of trees, we didn't have as many as they had sort of in the the, the, the hilly areas because we had a lot of farmland. So to to actually use, um, to, to burn fuel, we used peat. And to get mm-hmm. peat, you had to dig it out of the ground. So they used to dig peat out of the ground. And these big peat holes, for want of a better word, um, became flooded. And they are now known as the Norfolk Broads. So they are peat diggings that were flooded. And mm-hmm. they are, they're now some fantastic um, water features in, in, the, in the countryside. They are fantastic wow. nature reserves. Uh, you can go boating and fishing. The birds are amazing. Mm. This is where you'll see kingfishers. I've seen kingfishers on the broads. Um, and it is just such a beautiful area. You can go sailing. You can hire one of these electric boats and go out. We always go out every year with the family and take a boat out on the broads just to have a day messing around mm. on the water. And it's just oh. so peaceful and just mm. so lovely, you know, just to and, and then get ice cream water. afterwards. Well, funnily enough, funnily, there is a little boat that goes around the broads that sells Mr. Whippies. So no, you no way. On a boat, like that's you have the cool. ice cream man yeah. in the little truck. You have a ice cream boat. Ice cream. Oh, that's boat. cool. The what ice a good cream idea. Boat. Yeah, you look at oh my gosh. You look up ice creams on the broads, and I would think you'll probably get a picture of the little man, not the little man, the man in the little boat selling ice cream on the oh, broads. Cool. What boat. a good idea. Wow. Wow. I had no idea. I did not That's know. Does he have a little bell? Does he ring a bell? Um, no, he doesn't. He doesn't have the music, I'm afraid. Oh, no. <laughs> well, because it would That'd be disturbing be to See, I see yeah, Hyacinth Bouquet keeping up appearance on her boat. On the broads. Oh, oh Rod's ice cream oh, cone. I'd like mm. to have a really, you know, an, a slimline ice cream cone. <laughs> I can just say, Richard, Richard. Yeah, yeah, Richard. Richard. Mind the little man of the ice cream cone. Oh, Oh, boy, here we go. All right, all right. I'm I'm moving on to to Sandringham because that is something, you know, Hyacinth Bouquet, you know, would go to Sandringham. Definitely. And she's going to go to see the Queen. Yeah, oh, it's passed. Um, And so Sandringham, so, yeah, what is it like now that you have King Charles III? So that's going to be a little shift. Is it a, I mean, does it feel different? I mean, obviously yes. it's different without it? the queen. Um, yeah, it, you know. it, he's, he's already made made several changes. Um, mm. the, the front of the house where there has always, since the Second World War, there's always been a massive lawn um, because before the Second World War, there were formal gardens at the front of the house. Um, but mm. during the Second World War, they ploughed up the gardens for the, you know, oh. dig for victory. So they planted the fields. They they they, they ploughed up the the front gardens um, because the the king had to be seen to be the same as the the people, you know. So he ploughed up his front oh. garden. Um, so after the war, it's just put back to lawn. It was never put back to gardens. And now um, the king has reinstated um, a garden. 
So that looks quite different. Um, mm. It hasn't been, well, obviously it hasn't had time to establish. To grow, um, yeah. But it's, it's, um, it's looking, looking quite different. And I have got some pictures of it, but for some unknown reason, I can't attach my camera to my computer at the moment. But oh, I, will, I will post some pictures when I get a oh, chance. Oh, yeah, send, send them to us and we'll put them with the article. That would be great. That's, yeah. that's interesting that, that he's doing that. I mean... Yes. Yeah, for for a long time, since Charles, Charles was King in the Charles. background a, a, a lot. Yes, you know, for for any, you kind of never really got to see who he was or his personality. So when he became king, we're all over here, kind of like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, so but that's but that's because always. you don't. He's he's always been um, very interested in gardens and oh, in in huh. preserving um, proper gardens for wildlife oh, really? and and for and for the gardens themselves. So huh. I'm not at all surprised that he is letting a lot of the grounds grow. That's cool. More high, so he's mm. getting more more for insects, but he's huh. also letting the He's also replacing the formal garden, but a lot of that is just is is for um, for wildlife, insects, and things as well. Oh, so, he, so he's putting uh, he's putting the pollinator uh, gardens in. He's That's something. It all yeah. back. He's putting that is, it all back. Wow. Well, I know that him and his son, That's both awesome. both of them, have been huge on wildlife conservation, and yes. you know, so I stand by them with that a big time, and. Um, you know, it's it's a huge deal, and and in this country, I mean, we're learning, you know, what the the devastation. Oh, anyway, certain things that went out into farming, chemicals and stuff, were not a good thing. Yes. And so we have to reinstate all these places, like you're saying, and putting the natural and native plants back that are good mm -hmm. for bees and good for you know beneficial insects. And we're seeing a lot of this. The Midwest, which is all farming, Glenn. Yeah. You know, it's known for cornfields and everything out here. Well, we're seeing them really go to task on getting their prairies back and mm -hmm. having their native grasses back and really fix whatever happened. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, even the Dust Bowl taught America stuff, right? Um, mm -hmm. About how to rotate crops. And I think England being such a small country has really had to learn things quickly. You, you know, you can't, you, you I mean, because you're a small country and you're typically, you're, you're an island. I look at you as an island, yeah. you know, um, even with Scotland and Wales, it's like you're a big island. But, yes. and uh -huh. so you don't have room to screw up, really. You, no. you really don't for the health of, of your country and, and England, I mean, Scotland and Wales as well. And, and also the neighboring islands, like the Channel Islands, Isle of Man, Isle of Wight, like you, you have to. It's all connected, but I think Europe's always been better. You, England and Europe has always been better about farming. This country is really big and commercialized too too much, too fast. And but we're making strides. As much as I I love to go on rants about corporations and all that, mm. I and and going on like oh we're all doomed. At the same time, I have to say on a real positive front, there are these like what what you know King Charles is doing these gardens going in, even at rest areas where you stop, you know, you're driving across the mm -hmm. country, stop, go take a bathroom break, take a walk, you know, that kind of thing, rest a little bit before you keep driving. 
they're putting in pollinator gardens and the Midwest does it really well. Iowa, Kansas, mm-hmm. Missouri, Minnesota. I mean, they even have one highway that goes along the Jefferson Highway from uh, Winnipeg down to New Orleans. There's one part of it, Highway 35, where it's interstate. So it's bigger than the actual Jefferson Highway. It's kind of aligned. It's like runs along it. That is known as the Monarch Highway because it's about putting things back for the monarch butterflies. And mm-hmm. so it's it's so cool to hear this about England, you know, because I think it it's it's an, an international thing that we have to do. It's not just one country. Yes. It's all of us, because we all yes. messed up somewhere there, you know, at one yeah, point. And, and something that we've we've had in England this year has been uh called no mo may where they encouraged people not to mow their lawns until the end of May. So it mm. gave the the bees and the insects time to actually work yeah. with, the, with the plants. So there's still quite a lot of areas of England where they would normally be sort of like manicured lawns, uh, especially mm. public spaces. I mean, for instance, in, in the village here, there is uh, an area of, of grass in front of some um, not retirement homes, but you know, little little houses for single people, and a lot of that has been left to just grow. And there are mm-hmm. there just the odd path that's been mown through it, so people can walk across the gar the the grass. The rest mm-hmm. of it has all been left to grow like two foot high. So mm-hmm. you've still got cool. some of the grass that's still two foot high, and then you've got little paths through it that has been mowed so i mean that is you know that's that's really good it looks that's good. a and that's it, and a good works. compromise yeah it is a compromise yeah, that's the a thing out reaction yeah. to something happening and realizing whoopsie if yeah. we keep cutting the lawns first of all it's pretty boring to look at and you know you everybody looks the same Mm. Uh, put a garden in come on yeah and and that provides the seed you know they even say here during the fall or autumn in in england you don't rake up all your leaves because that's food for some bugs that are beneficial Uh um even like fireflies uh lightning bugs you may call them um it's you know it's really it's also good mulch for your garden and the more we commercialize everything and i use the word commercialize because we do it to our own properties. We, mm-hmm. we want to manu- over clean. It's, it's like we're sanitizing everything to the point of you. You wonder why, you know, we, yep. we have so much illness too. The more we sanitize things, yep. you, mm-hmm. we're like bleaching everything in our garden. Yep. So our soil yep. isn't good. We're taking away what nature does, mm-hmm. thinking we know better than her. Yep. And uh, we really don't. We're, we're learning. And, and the, if, if we can learn and, and amend and fix our our wrongs. I think that's a that's a huge step, and and that's something we never really talk about in tourism. We know it's coming there because I have to say it's true. Tourism is about not just having a vacation; it's about, about learning. learning things. I mean, tourism comes in so many forms. We've done, you know talked about pleasure travel, Glenn student travel, you know youth travel, all of those things, but. It's also about learning something you can take home and go, wow, I learned something. I'm, you know, I went to this garden in England and I saw what they were doing. I'm like, oh, I can do this where I live in Australia or England or exactly. wherever. Exactly. I can do this to make a better change. And when you go to parks and gardens, which you know, Nancy and I pretty much live in, yes. you know, we see all these changes that can be made. The gardens mm-hmm. aren't there just to have a nice outing. 
It's a, they're all demonstration gardens. Even well, if it's a negative, it's a demonstration of what can be done or not yes. be mm -hmm. done. And a lot of these things are so transferable because, I mean, whenever we go to different places, I mean, Diane's the gardener in our family. I don't garden. Um, but Diane will often get an idea. And obviously, she's not going to do these great big things that they do in gardens like at Sandringham. But that gives her an idea of what she can do in our garden. You yeah. Know? Mm -hmm. So these things are all transferable skills. And, mm. and I, I always remember one of my first, one of my early visitors um, we went to Sandringham, funnily enough, and we went to the church and outside the churchyard or at the churchyard at the gate, there is a, a lich gate. Now, a lich gate is a gate with a with a cover over it. You know, it's a it's got a little it's like a little building and it's got a roof over it. Hmm. It's where they used to um, stand with the coffin before they went into the churchyard. Um, hmm. So it was under under a roof. And this lady, she she absolutely loved this lich gate. And she took dozens of pictures of it because she wanted her son to make her a version of it when she got home to America. You know, Hi. so an idea from Sandringham mm -hmm. could could be used in um, this was in Alabama. So there could, oh, well, well, there be, there could yeah. well be a lich gate in Alabama that is modeled on the one at Sandringham Church. Because See? the idea was was taken. And that's what it's all about. It's about learning. It is. I mean, travel to me, it's fun. But the learning is actually the reason to travel. Yeah, yeah because if you don't learn anything, you don't remember. Like it goes back to that kid, you yeah. know, that you're mm -hmm. talking about, you know, the wind up. It's the wind up kid. You know? That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, everybody loves a good wind up. Um, but you know that's the thing. Um, so in closing, because I know we've 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 been gabbing for a while here because it's fun. Mm. Um, it's Norfolk Blickling Hall. So yes. this is another stately, as you're saying, stately home in Norfolk. And yes. now this, you any chance Glenn can talk about Anne Boleyn? He's in. He's doing it. Oh, you've got to talk about cool. Anne Boleyn. Yeah, cool. I feel so, I feel so cool. sorry for Anne Boleyn. Yeah. yeah. Why, why, why you have your head cut off just because you couldn't have a son? You know, it's just so ridiculous. Now that's ridiculous. <laughs> Started and, how like they, America. and how do they know it was her fault? Well, yes, they chopped exactly. off the but, wrong person's head. Yeah, exactly. They should have cut something else. No, I didn't say that. Um, but you know, the, the 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 thing about Anne Boleyn is that um, they do believe she was born in in Blickling. Um, nobody knows for certain. Mm. because they, they just don't know where she was born, but this is where her mm. family were living. Um, so they think that's where she was born, in an earlier house on the site because the present house was built in the 1620s. Um, but that is definitely where her family lived. Uh, but Blickling Hall itself is just such a beautiful house. It's got it's got everything going for it. It's, it's a gorgeous house, a fantastic setting. Again, it's mm. got lovely gardens it's got a beautiful walled garden, which they're now trying to, to take back to how it was. So the mm. volunteers in the garden are now trying to redo it to how it used to be, because all of these stately homes had their own walled garden because everything was grown on site for the house. Mm. You know, mm. so they didn't have food miles. They had food yards. You know, you only, you only had to get it from the garden and it was taken to the kitchen. You know, that's exactly what it's all about. 
That's so, fresh. This well, is this, yeah. this is what you, what you see, and they're they're now trying to recreate that, and that's looking good. You know, really. So lovely. does she really walk through the halls with her head in her? <laughs> Who no. knows. Who knows? Okay, okay, but this you say in your article uh, is a, a a beautiful example of a Jacobian stately home. Jacobian. All right. Oh well, Jacobian. Here we go. You, you know Jacobian. I can't pronounce anything. That's anywhere. so funny. Well, you did it the South African way. No, I just did Jacobian. it the way, probably. <laughs> well, I thought so, I was saying it quite proper, actually. It's all to yeah. do with, with King James. That's why it's called Jacobean, because it's King James. Oh. King James the Jacobean? Yeah, the Jacobean era. It's like the Elizabethan era. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Named after Elizabeth. The Jacobean yeah. era is named after James. And the Carolinian era is named Ooh. after the first two King Charles's. So at the moment, we're in a Carolinian period. Now, does oh, that wow. connect to South and North Carolina of America? Uh, yes, I, I would think so. Although it could it's be named after Caroline. Um, oh, it's probably Queen Caroline. Oh, we're going to have to look that up now because oh, yeah, we'll have to look it, it up. Is. Oh, we're going to have to look. Oh, and I have another thing on that too. Because I believe I believe Queen Caroline was George the Third's wife, but you may I I may be caught out on that. What well, was Carolina? Carol well. Huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna research that. Here we go, another rabbit hole. But yeah, while we talk it. about Jacobians and um we talk about all these names, Norman, um yeah. I we we're gonna bring up um Nelson, Lord Nelson. But before oh, yes. we do that, who is Burnham? Who started with the Burnham name? Because we're going to I didn't know there were seven Burnham villages. You've been on the show for what, over 10 years, 15 years? And I know you talk about different places, but I didn't realize that there were seven villages in Norfolk with the name Burnham. Burnham? Yeah. Burnham? Burnham. 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 Um, Burn. Burn. Burn is just another word for a river. So it's a, oh. a, a, a oh. town or a village near a river. So that's why you've got seven oh. different villages that are the names actually relate to the the churches or the gates or where they are so for instance you got burnham norton which is the burnham north town you got mm. burnham deep dale which is the village in the dale so that's you know you've got burnham thorpe a thorpe is a secondary settlement you got burnham westgate so it's on the west side of the settlement uh, huh. Burnham Sutton, which is the south town, Sutton. Uh, Ulf, which is um, a name of a church. And then you've got Burnham Overy, which is to do with it being a, a seaside port. So, you know, not, you've, not, not, you've a, got, not a lady's ovary, just making sure because it's not here. Well, no, because no, they're not reading it. It's ovary spelt different, but it sounds yes. the same. So, <laughs> yes. like, if I heard this, you know, without talking to you and reading it, I'd go, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> There's a town named after an ovary. Different. Yeah. No, o I'm not trying to be weird. Okay. And the Thorpe. Now, there's a lot of people with the last name Thorpe. That's a, yep. that's a only name. Thorpe just means a secondary settlement. So if you very often have, um, I don't know, we'll, we'll call a place, um, I don't know, Norwich. 
Well, funnily enough, there is one. Um, just outside Norwich, there is a place called Thorpe because it, it is just a smaller settlement beside the main settlement. So, so it's you like have, a mini, mini, mini yes, Norwich. A mini, a mini Burnham. So Burnham Thorpe was just a, a another Burnham close by. And Burnham Thorpe is, is where Nelson was born. That's where Nelson's dad was the was the vicar. Huh. Wow. Nelson's okay. column. Nelson's That's column. And Where's was, Nelson's column? It's in London, right? In yeah, Le in uh, Leicester Square. Oh, that's right. Of London. He was uh, at the Battle of Trafalgar. He was a very well-known sailor. Mm -hmm. Wow. Glenn, this has been one heck of a conversation. I love these. I love these. And thank you for answering my stupid questions, which are not stupid, because not listen, stupid. it's just trying to put things in context, because you cannot know every detail of the history of the world, right? And no. and you know, history is connected with other places and where you are. Just that's yep. that's the beauty of travel is to, is to connect cultures and to connect history. I love these 10. I think we went over 10, but because we're good at that. And, um, you know, always fun. Glenn, Glenn's story is up on Blend Radio and TV.com. And as I was saying, all the links will be in the show notes. Um, also, uh, we'll have a list of previous articles that Glenn has written in pos and podcasts about Norfolk. Uh, you can see those also on his article page. But also go to norfolk-tours.co.uk and keep up with Glenn, especially if you're going to England, if you're planning a trip, have questions, uh, doing your family history, just, you know, drop Glenn an email. He's a he's a wonderful bloke. Am I allowed to say yes, that? He's he a is. good North Norfolk dumpling. He's a I'm nice a good old, I'm a good old boy. He is. He's a good old boy. Yeah, but you don't want to say that in this country. No. That oh, means right, that okay. you haven't progressed. Mm, no, the good old boys in this country tend to be politicians. No. We don't <laughs> oh, want no, that. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> it. That, that's like I said, they haven't progressed. So, oh, oopsie, I'm not supposed to say that. Sorry. Um, everyone also keep up with us at BigGlennRadio.com. We're here with Glenn every fourth Saturday. It's always a joy. Thank you so much, Glenn. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on board. Look oh, forward that's to fun. Cool.